Good evening, church. Send the light. Well, we are that light, the reflection of Jesus who carry the gospel into a lost and dying world. And I like to think about uh, God's people being the light, um, in the light that when you look into the, uh, the uh, I guess, the, the galaxies or looking up into the, the sky at night, you see the stars. And the stars are amidst tons of darkness. There's a lot more darkness than light, right, than the stars. And so when God looks down on the earth and sees all this darkness, he sees the little lights and the reflection of Jesus, and that's us. And I'm always thankful to the stars to think about that. There we are, as James would say, that we are punching holes in darkness. All right, so remember that lesson. Anyway, it is great to be with you this night, both members and visitors alike. Let's please go together to God in prayer. Our great Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for another opportunity to worship you, to be able to say thank you to you for your goodness and for your compassion and mercy and for allowing us, for those who who want to be here to worship you, for allowing us to be able to assemble to worship you. Pray, Lord God, that you will clear our minds of worldly thoughts and help us to grow from the words that we hear from your holy and divine word and help us never to forget Jesus, but to always keep him first in our lives and all things. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy, for your care, your love, your blessings, and your grace. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee. Be thy will. Amen. John, please, chapter 18. Simple, trusting faith. We're going to attempt to close this lesson series out tonight. It wasn't supposed to be a series, but it was so simple. <laughs> Couldn't stop preaching it, right? All right. Here's what's so enjoyable to me about tonight's lesson. Tonight's lesson is so enjoyable because what it's going to do is help us by way of remembrance, to know that the things that we believe in and that we trust, they're not secrets. The things of Jesus were not done in a corner. And I want to bring that out tonight. John 18, verse 19. The high priest therefore questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in a temple where all the Jews come together. And I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. Behold, these know what I said. So Jesus is saying, when I preached the word, when I came and all I've done, nothing that I did was in secret. I preached to the world. I was in the open. You know, you saw it, you witnessed it. Whether you agreed or not, you can't deny it, right? Acts 26. So it wasn't something where Jesus came and then there was this uh, story that we learned uh, that Jesus came maybe and then maybe he didn't. And maybe he said this or maybe maybe there was some conflicting. I, no, there weren't anything conflicting. There weren't any things where he was hiding. It was all in the open. And you can look at your history books. And read about this man, the Son of Man, God Himself, who came and preached openly in the streets of Jerusalem. Think about the chaos now. If you were to go down to Baghdad and start preaching openly, think about the chaos. But everyone would know that you were there. In Acts 26, in verse 26, there the Bible says, 
For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. Paul talking to Agrippa, talking to Felix. This is not something that's secretive. Everybody knew about it. Everyone knows about the Christ. John chapter 7. To increase our faith. So we're not believing in some, uh, you know, tale or some fictional story. We're believing in, in the accuracy and the truth of the day and time where witnesses were there and God himself has manifested himself to humanity. John 7, verse 25. Therefore, some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? And look, he is speaking publicly. And they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that it is the Christ, do they? In other words, everyone looked over and saw Jesus and said, That's Jesus. Oh, wait, that's the man they're seeking to kill. Well, why isn't he hiding out? It's in the open. Verse 27. However, we know where this man is from, but whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Though they meant that in a negative statement, they're telling us something you can be assured of. We, we know Jesus is here. We know where he's from. We knew he was born in such and such a place, coming down from Nazareth. We understood that. Maybe we didn't believe from, from Bethlehem or Judea because... They weren't there for the birth, but they knew Jesus the Nazarene. Everybody knew. It wasn't a secret. It goes on to say, Jesus therefore cried out in the temple teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I'm from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him and he sent me. They were seeking, therefore, to seize him, and no man laid his hands on him, because his hour had not yet come. When you think about a man who the government is after, he goes off into hiding. Not Jesus. Right? Stayed out in the open. Why? Because he was in complete and total control of all things. And even secular history confirms the greatness of Jesus Christ. See, the Pharisees had issues with Jesus because, you know, Jesus didn't fit into their little box. You know, they wanted that, that power that they had to control. They wanted it to remain. They wanted it to continue. And they wanted to put Jesus into that box. And Jesus didn't quite look the way they wanted him to. Jesus didn't do what they wanted him to do. Their preconceived ideas were smashed. And challenged when it came to the Christ. He didn't say what they wanted him to say. He was not politically correct. He was not afraid of the rulers of the day. And they had no power over him. Because he wasn't afraid of death. He wasn't afraid of the created. That which he created. He wasn't afraid of the power that they possessed. Because he knew that he had a mastery over all. Jesus was in the open willingly. John 11, please. What we believe, what you and I believe today is not something that just all of a sudden came up. For thousands and thousands of years, God has been preparing the world for the Christ. 
And when the Christ came, you can measure, you can look at what was said about him, and you can look at the times and the places and the, you can look at everything and see Jesus is the Messiah. In John chapter 11, verse 47, therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing for this man is performing many signs? If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Listen to that. Wait, if the Romans believe in him, Judah, a Judean world, will be gone. The Romans will say, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the new Judah. You're no longer allowed to, to proselyte or, or do what you do. This belongs to the Christian era. They were afraid of that. But certain, a certain one of them, Caiaphas, verse 49, who was a high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. Now this he did not say on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but that he might also gather together into one, the children of God, who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. And you know, it wasn't a surprise, because that's what Jesus has been saying. Right? Matthew 22, he'd been saying this to the apostles and disciples over and over again. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed and die Buried in the grave and resurrect and rise from the dead. He'd been saying it over and over again. The prophecy said it over and over again. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't done in secret. It was done openly. So you can look at the Word of God and you can measure the Word of God and you can listen to Jesus and you can listen to the message of the prophets and see Jesus and see God's perfect plan being demonstrated in the Messiah over and and over and over again. It's endless. And think about for just a moment what it would take for Genesis 3.15, just beginning there with the opening of, of the uh, prophetic messages, and other messages and them being fulfilled thousands of years later in the open in Christ Jesus. Just one. They tried to do a mathematical scale, and it was, it was tremendous, the number uh, if you will, for, for one prophecy to come true. And yet, over and over again, you see endless prophecies over and over again being fulfilled. It wasn't done in the secret. What we believe is not only right and true, the evidence is undeniable. It's overwhelming. Hang in there and don't give up your faith. So a lot of people... Um, it's not they don't trust Jesus. Let's think about this. Let's be honest. They're just not ready for Jesus. You know, when you go to talk to someone about the gospel and they go, well, I'm not really, I don't know if I really believe that or not. It, they're not really saying they don't believe in Jesus. You can't deny Jesus. You know, you can't, you can't go to the library and, and deny Jesus. You, you can't drive down the street and look at the billboards and deny Jesus. You can't look, if you will, with your friends at, at different things in life and deny Jesus. He's undeniable. What they're saying is, I'm just not ready to obey Jesus. Look, here's what Jesus says. 
Listen to this message. Matthew 22, beginning at verse 36. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And the world says, we don't want that. We like hatred, right? Look at how many hate statements and hate groups exist in our world today. Look at how divided we are today. How can you hate a person you've never met? You know, I never figured that out, right? How in the world can we do some of the things in hatred today that we've done? I look back at Satan and go, wow, how cruel Satan was, how cruel the Assyrians were, how cruel the Babylonians were, how cruel the Romans were, how cruel the world is. Jesus says that's not the way you're supposed to live your life. You're supposed to live it full of love. Who wants to do that? He just didn't say what they wanted him to say, but what he did say, he said it openly so the whole world would know. Brethren, we walk against the grain. We want to do that proudly in Christ. Turn to John chapter 20. You can trust Jesus of all that's been said and all that's been done. And remember, there were a multitude of eyewitnesses who will tell you the same thing. And in John 20 and verse 30, the Bible says, Many other signs therefore Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So imagine if God captured everything Jesus did and said. How thick would that book be? Right? There's so much that he did that God did not include in the record because it wasn't necessary for our salvation and understanding. So they saw so much more. You know, I wonder sometimes, um, usually when you think of history, the person who has the most money and the winner usually writes the book. Right? That's, how, that's just how it works, right? What if the Romans wrote the book about Jesus? What would it, what would it say? What would it say? John 20. John 21. Excuse me. John 21, verse 24. This is the disciple who bears witness of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his witness is true. And there's all, there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books which were written. So Jesus did so much. Psalm, please. Psalm 124, he did so much. There's so much more evidence that they witnessed that we don't have a piece of. 
and it was all done in the open. And all we have to do, church, you can go back to the library. They said, if you took the Bible, all Bibles, and confiscated every one of them, burned them up, you could go on the internet, on the library, and there's so much written about the Bible, you could put it all back together again and not miss one verse. Isn't that great? If it hadn't been for the ministry of the Lord, Satan comes along and tries to shake our faith, but it's God who is victorious in our lives. And in Psalm 124 and verse 1, had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, had it not been for the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the waters would have engulfed us. The stream would have swept over our soul. Then the raging waters would have swept over our soul. Verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and the earth. If it had not been for the Lord. Do you think America holds itself together? If it had not been for the Lord. Do you think the other countries that have the power and whatever they have, their wealth and resources, do you think they're holding themselves together? If it had not been for the Lord, church, do you think you hold yourself together? If it had not been for the Lord, when rain comes, it helps us to appreciate the the sunshine. And sometimes people ask the question, how are we ever going to make it? Talk to people over time. How are we ever going to make it if it had not been for the Lord? Once they come through it, if it had not been for the Lord. We've said it. I don't know how folks are going to get through this. But we have the Lord. If it had not been for the Lord, surrender your lives to the who, and he'll take care of the how and the when and the what. You just got to surrender, right? Look at Psalm 37. Nothing that we do as nothing that he did is in secret. It's all in the open and we can trust it wholeheartedly. You, have, you tried the Lord, right? And he's passed every single test. You've tested him. How many times have they tested the word of God? Tried to destroy it, tried to prove it wrong and it still stands. How in the world could we have not just a a community or religion, if you will, a body of believers that survived the Roman era and the attacks. And then from there, all the attacks on the Bible up to today, and look at what I still have in my hand, and it's in the open. You've got one too. It's not just here. It's on our phones and on our internets. How did this word stand the test of time? If it had not been for the Lord. If it had not been for the Lord. What we believe in, what we trust in, and we have our simple trusting faith, what we believe in, it's true. It's obvious. It's evident. And it will never go away. Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. And He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. 
Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Just trust in the Lord. Just, Jeremiah 17, please. Just have enough faith, even the faith of a mustard seed, and watch God do His work. Watch God do His bidding, or allow God to do His bidding in your life. In Jeremiah 17, in verse 7, and He'll open up these amazing doors. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but his leaves will be green and he will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. God is saying, I am forever in control and I will take care of you. Revelation, please, chapter 3. And it's with that knowledge, when we humble ourselves and recognize that it is not me, but rather it is the God who's in me. It is the God who exists without me. It is the God whom I trust that blesses me from day to day. And when the drought comes, if you are an agriculturalist like they were, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, but then they learned patience. And they waited for the Lord, and God always came through and he does to this day revelation chapter chapter three god is able to make a way where there is no way right so for the christian the reality is there always is a way i look back at this congregation of philadelphia in verse seven it says and the angel to the angel of the church of philadelphia write he was holy who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, says this. When, when that verse hits me, verse 7, I think back to, to Genesis chapter 7. And in Genesis 7, the Bible says, and Noah and his family went into the ark, and then God closed the door. And you know how many folks were knocking on the door? Noah, Noah, it's raining. But Noah couldn't open that door because God shut it. Well, when the world shuts the door, God has the power to open that door. And he says in verse 8, I know your deeds. Behold, you have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. You see, they had little power because they were a poor congregation. But God was prepared to take care of them, and was caring for them. And so they were able to stand strong in Christ. I want to look at Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. In Christ, Satan may close doors, but God will open another one up. In Christ, Satan will give us, if you will, disaster and struggle in our lives, but God will give us the strength and help us to be victorious. You just have to want it. And you just have to have simple, trusting faith. And watch God do His work, right? Isaiah 40, in verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. 
His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Now, I watched a lot of movies. And, uh, and I remember the movie, you know, movies that someone gets upset, their life's in trouble, and then and they yell out to God, they yell out God, they're angry at God. That's not how you talk to God, right? That's Hollywood. We, that's Hollywood. But to imagine that all of the Christians that have been praying over all the years, and yet God never becomes tired, even of our prayers. He's not even tired of you. God doesn't say again, really. God is able, right? God is able. Verse 30, Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary because of God. First Peter chapter 5, it's because of God. And putting our trust in God, that's a winning faith. You put your trust in yourself, you're going to lose. In Christ Jesus, the people of God remain victorious forever. First Peter 5 and verse 8, God will make everything all right. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And it doesn't end in this life. It's important that that we learn to look through this life. Turn to Philippians, please. Look through this life. You know, we, when we're looking at life, sometimes we, we get stuck and fixated on, on one event in our lives or, or maybe our current situation. But God wants us to be like Him. God wants us to see through it. And here's what God wants us to see. Regardless of what you are going through, if you stick with the Lord, you will come through it victorious in Christ Jesus. Victorious doesn't always mean alive. But either way, whether we're here in the physical or here in the spiritual, meaning life physically or life spiritually, you still win. We cannot lose. Philippians 1 verse, verse 19, For I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. For that is very much better. That is very much better. Oh, I get it. 
You think he got it? Yeah, he got it. Writing a prison epistle, he got it. Seek to live. Well, we want to live with our family and we love our friends. We want to be here for you. But if Christ said today, preacher, I got an opportunity for you. You want to come home now? Bye. <laughs> I would request he bring my family with me, but bye. I'm gone. And you know one day he's going to do that. One day he's going to call us all home. Are you ready for that? Do you have enough confidence and faith to say what the apostle said? To, to live is, is for you, if you will. If I stay here, it's going to benefit you. But to die and go home and be with God, that is the game. That is where the victory is. And so, looking through, let's close in 1 Peter chapter 1, please. Looking through life and, and seeing the future, if you will. Looking, looking through the trees, looking through our troubles, looking through our struggles and our difficulties. I want you to keep looking through it so that you're ever reminded of the end, which the end is actually the beginning, the beginning for us all. And here's what it reads. Looking through all of your troubles. Blessed, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. We win. Right? Isn't that great? You just got to remind yourself of that. Over and over again, day after day. The lesson is yours. This evening, if you're a member of the body and you're struggling in your faith, and we can pray with you and, or pray for you. If you're not a Christian and you run to surrender to Christ today in the waters of baptism, having heard His Word and believed it, have repented or had godly sorrow in your heart, made the good confession that Jesus is Lord, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and be baptized, immersed in water for remission of your sins. The invitation is yours. Why don't you come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.